On today's show, prospects expert Eric Denae from Penalty Box Radio joins us once again to talk about who the Nashville Predators could pick with the number 24 pick in the 2023 NHL draft. Plus, the Predators say they want to swing big in the draft. Have they been too passive in past drafts? And has that hurt them towards where they are right now? We'll talk about it today on the Lockdown Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and a special shout out to all you loyal locked on preds fans who join us every single day we appreciate you guys and all the love and support you give us i'm nick morgan i'm a writer at penalty box radio normally have a partner in crime but ann kimmel is off today so instead we are bringing back eric denay he is the authority when it comes to nashville predators prospects and prospects in general he just put up a Big posts on Penalty Box Radio uh, regarding uh, some of the top talent in the first round, including guys that the Nashville Predators should pick. So we thought it would be a good idea to bring him back on today's show and ask him, hey, who do you think the Nashville Predators should take with that number 24 pick? We got a couple of candidates, including a guy who might be a Hobie Baker Award winner next year and a guy who's been a dynamic high-end score wherever he's big so without further ado let's talk to eric denay well it's now draft month the 2023 nhl draft in nashville is now just a couple of weeks away and we are continuing our look at players the predators might pick in the first round we are bringing back prospects expert eric denay from penalty box radio eric thank you again for joining us yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk about the draft some more. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the draft today. We're going to focus on who the Nashville Predators might pick with that 24th overall pick. Uh, if you missed it, we have uh, already talked about some guys that Preds could draft 15th overall. If you want to go back on our YouTube channel, look that up. But Eric, the last since the last time we recorded, uh, there has been some changes in Nashville. Uh, Andrew Burnett is now the head coach. Uh, Barry Trotz, of course, is the GM. There was a quote uh, in the post game, or not post game, but the the introductory press conference for Andrew Burnett uh, that hyped you up. That's making all the rounds. Uh, it's Barry Trotz talking about his draft strategy, and I would love to talk about this with you. Let's play the quote first. You know, I said to our, our scouts this year, take some swings. Mm-hmm. Like I want high-end swings. If we're gonna, if we're gonna strike out, strike out with someone who might be a high-end guy. If we don't. I can find the third and fourth line guys all day long. We can do that. Let's let's swing for the fences. Let's get some guys that'll get you out of your seats. You know, and and it's hard to. And I understand. You know, it's easy if you're picking first, second, third. I mean. That's easy. That's the easy. The hard part is when you're when you're picking 15, 16, and 17 to find that guy that can can do it. 
I know that fires you up, but, but what do you think about Trotz telling scouts to just go ahead, swing big, swing for the fences? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of shocking. We've never, even in maybe recent years where it seems like David Poyle and, and his kind of, uh, uh, his army of scouts have like started to take more chances on guys. They've never blatantly said something so, uh, you know, groundbreaking for this organization. Uh, you know, I know offline, I said to you, like, since Radulov, this team has not drafted a true high-end impact forward. And um, and that's got to change. You know, you could argue that, uh, you know, some guys like Thomas Dean or Evangelista could get there. And 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 that it certainly can be true. But um, look, like, if this team is going to be, you know, content, is, you know, is going to be picking at 15 and 16 and 17, kind of like he said, like, they, they are going to have to take swings. You know, Jason Robertson, Robertson wasn't a first overall pick wasn't a top 10 pick at all. Right. And he is bringing people out of the seats. You know, there's so plenty of gems to be found. Um, but uh, it is hard work. And, uh, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, what the kind of fruits of uh, their labor look like on draft day, you know, with 13 picks, it's almost like a little hard not to have a successful draft uh, this year. Um, if you bat 500, that's still six or seven guys that, um, you know, could be NHL players, but um you know, I'm I'm genuinely excited to see just like how this strategy uh, pans out and looks different from previous years. Yeah, and I love it too because there's always this sort of you know notion that in order to get you know top end guys, you got to tank, you got to get you know picks one, two, three every year, you got to get in the top five. You know, you mentioned Jason Robertson uh, is is tearing it up right now. David Pasternak, who might have been a Connor McDavid cheat code year away from being, you know, a Hart Trophy winner this year. He was picked, I think, in the 20s, you know, go through. Nikita Kucherov was a second rounder. There is talent everywhere in the draft and game-changing talent, too. It's got to be on the scouts. It's got to be on the GM in front office to find those guys. And the thing with this, and there's a couple of people we'll talk about today that, you know, maybe they're game-changing talent that aren't in the top 10 or 15 because, you know, they're they're too small or there's one aspect of the game that scouts don't like. I love this notion of, screw it, if you see somebody who you think has the tools to be an absolute dynamo, go get them. Even if, even if there's one or two flaws in his game, if he's going to be a game-changer, go get him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like, uh, if you look at like the Preds bottom six this year, like it's, you know, for most of the year, let's say, right. So you have Tanner, you who's an undrafted free agent, uh, Cole Smith, who is an undrafted free agent, Yakov Trenin, who is a second round pick, but was never like a, an elite goal scorer in juniors. Um, but like had a very good junior career, Colton Sissons, who was always kind of like a utility guy in juniors. Um, you know, those players you can find are like they, they can be reliable NHL players right but like Yakov Trenin is probably never going to score 40 goals a year in the NHL and that's not to say there's no use for him but um you know this team has found itself in a bit of a pickle here in that they've got two eight million dollar forwards taking up two spots in the top uh half of the lineup that just frankly aren't playing I mean one of them's definitely not playing like an eight million dollar player and the other is sometimes is sometimes not and um you know meanwhile you have guys like jason robson like posture like 
um, you know, Kucherov, who are challenging for scoring titles. And that has just never been the case for this team. And, you know, if you have the elite goaltending, if you have the blue line, like there's that piece of the puzzle that Barry Trotz has correctly identified that this organization has just truly never been able to draft. And um, with 13 picks this year, like, why not now? What, what, when is a better time to start taking swings and see like what you can find in this draft, which is a deep, deep draft for forwards too. Yeah. And, you know, there's guys out there that, you know, Matthew Kachucks and Jack Eichels of the world don't come on the trade block every day. So your best bet to find those guys is through the draft. Uh, I want to ask you this real quick, uh, based on that quote before we move on to some prospects. Uh, In your mind, do you think the Predators have maybe been a little bit too passive in past drafts, maybe leaving some potential on the board to go with? you know, what would be considered a quote unquote safe pick? Yeah, I think, I think there's evidence to say that they've definitely shied away from guys who, um, you know, who uh, like you kind of pointed out, like have a flaw, whether it's skating, whether it's speed, whether it's the shot, but like the rest of their game is like really exhilarating. Um, But on the other hand, I think in, in recent years, they've started to trend in a better direction, you know, like, the Ellie Tolvanen pick, I mean, if they had passed on him at 30 in 2017, that would have been insane considering he was, you know, considered to be maybe a top 10, 15 pick. Um, Joachim, Kem- Joachim Kemmel, who I had as the 10th best prospect going into last year's draft, and they took it 17 or whatever it was, it obviously fell to him. But, um, you know, he is so far uh, panning out very well. Um, so there's, there's been some trends in the right direction, but then you get later in the draft and, and you, you take picks on guys who, um, you know, they really like the, they've really shown they like the guys who like kind of do everything well and nothing spectacularly. Right. And those guys are great for, like we said, filling out the bottom of the lineup. Um, you know, guys like Spencer Stastny, you really need in the NHL. Um, but uh, then you end up taking, you know, players like Mika Salamaki, players like, uh, you know, Luke Prokop, players who um, either can't quite cut it, make it to the NHL, might not make it to the NHL, or uh, when they get there, again, even though they were a second-round pick or a late first-round pick or whatever, they're just filling that bottom six role. And, um, and, and frankly, that's just a waste of draft capital. Like Trot said, you can find those guys um, – pretty much everywhere. I mean, hell, like Gabrielle Bork is still playing in the AHL right now, you know? So like if they really wanted him, they could sign him, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think things have gotten slightly better uh, in recent years, particularly with kind of the first, second and third round, but um, definitely a lot of evidence um, over the years of them passing on some, some guys with high ceilings, you know, big boom and bust potential, if you will. All right, in just a second, we're going to ask Eric some of the players he thinks the Predators should take a swing at with that number 24 pick, including a guy might be a low-key Hobie Baker finalist next season and a big scorer who's been tearing it up everywhere he's been. But first, want to mention today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Championship teams know that every single player on that roster needs to fit just right to make that team run to perfection. It's the same thing when it comes to your car. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, you got to head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right 
the first time around. All you have to do is add your ride to the My Garage feature and look for the green check mark to know if the part you're looking for will fit. And if it doesn't, your money back. That's because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors, they have over 122 million different parts to choose from. So they'll uh, help you get back in the game at no time, no matter what's wrong with your car. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. Uh, Speaking of guys with big ceilings, uh, let's talk about some prospects. And one guy I want to talk about right off the bat, I don't know if you can see this banner uh, right behind me, but uh, a guy from Michigan by the name of Gavin Brindley. Now, remember, this was a Michigan team that has Adam Fantilli, you know, the Hobie Baker winner, probably the number two pick in the draft unless they Ducks just really like Leo Carlson, I guess. Uh, He was also on a team with Luke Hughes, who I think a lot of people, you know, maybe top three or four best prospects not in the NHL for most of the season until he went to go play with the Devils. And yet at the end of the year, when, when the Wolverines made that frozen four run, it was Gavin Brindley the guy that was being the game changer for a lot of those games. Yeah. 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 I love Gavin Brindley. Uh, He is, I mean, if you pull up like one YouTube video of him, you'll see like immediately why Um, he's like five, nine, maybe Uh, he's like pretty light, but um, he, I mean, he skates like the wind. He's flies around the ice. It's like crazy. Um, He is extremely physical for his size. Um, He's so fun to watch. He's constantly keeping his feet moving. He scans the ice really well. Uh, when he sees those open lanes, whether it's off the puck or on the puck, I mean, he's just like dive bombing into space. He kind of takes no prisoners. Um, and on top of that, you know, he's got a lot of skills. Got a lot of skills too. I mean, he put up 38 points. He was nearly a point per game player uh, at Michigan this year. 38 points in 41 games, which is really impressive. Uh, kind of playing second fiddle to some high end guys there, and then put up four points in seven games for Team USA at the World Juniors too um playing as an underager so uh, he's a hell he's a ton of fun to watch um and uh you know i think some people kind of think of him more as like oh he'll kind of grade out as this like middle six to bottom six kind of energy guy but uh i really see a lot of high-end skill to his game um that uh with the right development he could really maximize yeah uh, you mentioned it, but one of the things I love watching is this guy, you know, he's tiny. He's 5'9". I think he was listed at 157 pounds uh, at the Central Combine. Uh, like a, a tiny dude, a dude that, you know, seemingly would get run over. The dude is out there. He is in the middle of every single puck battle. He is throwing his body around. Uh, I love about any, you know, he'll gauge with a puck in the corner, just sprint to the middle of the ice and immediately get in scoring position. You know, it's funny, and I, you and I, you know, kind of joke where you hate player comparisons. Uh, you really hate that. But I watch him, and I'm like, you know, the size, the 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 willingness to be in the middle of everything. This guy is kind of a little bit of Brad Marchand. Yeah. Yeah, the other player that kind of comes to mind a bit, and, you know, I hate these because people, you can just get so ahead of yourselves, but is, is Braden Point. Um 
you know, I don't think in his draft year, anyone really thought Braden Point had like an elite set of hands or an elite shot, but um, Brindley does those things really well. He's pretty cool and calm under pressure. Um, and with the puck, he's just, you know, he's spinning off defenders. He's making plays. He's really got great vision in the offensive end. Uh, and like I said, he doesn't, you know, where other prospects kind of like, um, like Callum Ritchie, for instance, when Callum Ritchie starts stick handling, his feet basically just like stop moving and Brindley has, um, that kind of hand and, and foot combination down to a science. Um, he is just so willing and able to uh, get open, uh, but also create space for himself with the puck by, like I said, keeping the feet moving, um, looking off defenders, making good passes. Um, he he really does love to mix it up. And, and like you mentioned off the puck, uh, he's getting in there, he's engaging, he's hitting, he's hard on the forecheck. Um, he is a guy that, you know, he maybe won't score 40 goals a year in the NHL, but he will get you out of your seat and uh, and keep you excited. So, And that's a guy that, that Trot says he wants to wants to have. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about his size and, uh, you know, it, it seems like you're pretty confident that he's got the skill set to maybe offset that, at least until he grows into his NHL body. We, we know he's going to have to, you know, fill out the build a little bit more. Uh, what else would you say he needs to work on as he's making his way towards the NHL? Yeah, I think just like a little more intentionality uh, to his game, mostly off the puck, particularly the defensive side. I mean, he he is a perfectly fine defensive player, um, but, uh, you know, he, he is almost moving his feet too much at times, taking these kind of wide swings and having to double back into the zone. So some more kind of stops and starts there, a little better positioning. Um you know, I love his game on the forecheck. I love how, like, kind of, and like, he just doesn't get tired. But again, more intentionality, you know, better his forechecking angles a bit, you know, force those turnovers, force those quick passes from opponents um, would really make him a better, um, more effective player. And then I think, you know, just in being cognizant as the frame kind of fills out, making sure you're not losing the hands, losing the shot, um, which, uh, you know, his shot could probably improve some too. But, uh, he certainly, uh, you know, knows how to score goals and make play, make plays. Yeah. So, so Michigan is probably going to lose Fantilli next year, and, and obviously Luke Hughes is now in the NHL with the Devils. Uh, I'd be very surprised if Brindley is not back in Michigan yeah. next year. Uh, you know, are, are you? I mean, as a Michigan fan, I hope he kind of winds up filling that Fantilli void in terms of now being like the number one go to guy. Yeah. Uh, up front do you see him kind of being that maybe that same expectation for him in Michigan next year yeah I think so I mean he um you know he can play wing he can play center um so he, he's versatile in that regards but yeah you know going back to Michigan I would expect him to to be um pretty dominant and and frankly there's something to be said for um to and this is something I've been really interested in for a while. To uh, playing at a program like that that has like bred a lot of success lately, lately that is producing a lot of high end NHL players um, that kind of has that culture of winning. Um, you know, in college hockey, I think that's really important because um, you know if you're playing in a conference like the Big Ten or the Hockey East or whatever, um, you know the Preds you know have some guys at like the University of New Hampshire, for instance, which is really just not. A successful program and just is not really been contending lately and um and i think that can be debilitating to your development right um you're you're constant you're not even just constantly losing right but you're like just not even competing in games and it's really hard to um kind of push your development curve up when 
you're playing behind the eight ball from the start. So being at a program like Michigan that is successful, that's playing big games, that's making these tournaments, playing the best players across the country, I think it really adds a nice bump to your development as well. Or can I, I? I think you're just tired of watching uh, UConn and, and Clarkson games. <laughs> over and over there. Hey, a couple of years ago, Clarkson Clarkson was great, and then they they took a step back. But <laughs> yeah, uh, who was it? Uh, Nico Sturm. Yeah, Nico yeah. Sturm. Uh, well, speaking of players you love, Eric, of course we got to talk about the Slovakian player uh, yeah. in this draft, don't we? Uh, let's talk about Samuel Hanzik. Uh, a, a guy who came over his first year in North America, an up and down season, got hurt. Uh, how would you grade his his first year in North America, all things considered? Uh, I think all things considered, extremely successful. Um, you know, like you mentioned, came over, played for the Vancouver Giants in the WHL, fifty six points, forty three games, twenty three goals. Um, many nights who is their best player uh, by far and away um, and got some international experience too. played a bit at the world juniors. Um, he is part of another pretty impressive class of Slovaks. Um, he won't be the first taken off the board. He'll probably be the second, um, but uh, will definitely be the second. Uh, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot to like about his game and uh, that probably starts with his size uh, coming in at, uh, at six, four. Uh, and similar to Brindley, versatility, ability to play wing and center. Yeah. You mentioned versatility, and that's another big part about his game I like. You know, he was on Vancouver's number one power play unit. He also spent a lot of the season on the number one penalty-killing unit. Uh, is this a guy that you see maybe being able to kind of continue that versatility into the NHL, a guy that can, you know, do special teams all the way around, you know, maybe like Mark Stone, like playing any sort of situation. Definitely. And, you know, we've seen this a lot more in junior hockey where you know, teams are using their best players on the penalty kill. Uh, and I really wish that the NHL would start adopting it more. I know I mentioned here before that we've, we've seen a bit of Philip Horsberg playing the penalty kill before, but um it's uh, when you've got a guy like Hondrick, it's really, um, I think, important to, to utilize him in those areas he can succeed. So he's got that big frame. He, you know, can play an important role in the power play and not just standing in front of the net, but shooting off the half wall as well and, and distributing from there, too. Uh, but at uh, the other end of the rink, uh, you know, on the penalty kill, what makes him so effective is a his size, uh, b his willingness to, to kind of engage in those puck battles and see, um, you know, the offensive threat in the skating, right? Uh, so when the play gets broken for the team on the man advantage, he can reverse the ice quickly. He can get something going the other way. And it's not just a matter of like, oh, just flinging the puck down the ice and, and going off for a change, but getting down in the offensive zone, taking time off the penalty, um, and really forcing the other team to work for it. So uh, I think he definitely does have that ability, and I, I hope whether it's Nashville or another team certainly uh, will give him the chance to, to, to do so. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we talk about in his big frame, 6'4", 180 pounds, and you talked about his skating. It seems like when going through some of these scouting reports from, from different guys, whether it be Athletic or TSN, they're a little divided on his skating. A lot of people say, like, the mechanics are, you know, one person called it a little bit awkward. Uh, but, you know, you have other guys mention his speed. Where do you see, you know, his skating, maybe the pros and cons of that right now? Uh, and do you think he, he still has 
enough good skill there to be a really good NHL player. Yeah, I think if there's one word I, to describe his skating, I'd probably say inconsistent. I mean, he's not like a burner. He doesn't have kind of elite speed. But um, when you kind of see him at, at top pace, it's it's still pretty impressive. Uh, and what I like most about it is at that top pace, he really, I think, excels at um, – understanding good puck protection skills and not just keeping the puck away from opponents using his long stick and his body, but also um, being able to make plays from those puck protection positions, right? So he's not just like lowering his shoulder and kind of like driving around the net and hoping to create separation. He's lowering his shoulder, driving around the net, hoping to create separation while also scanning for either a pass to the point, pass to the slot, you know, a, a quick stop and, and change the direction the other way. Um, so, you know, the mechanics, uh, yeah, I think awkward is, is fair, you know, with this bigger guy. I mean, we've all seen like Ryan Johansson skate, who again is not the fastest, but like it like looks bad, right? Like if you like don't, especially if you don't really know what you're looking for, you're like that guy doesn't look like he can skate well. Um, with him, it is, I think, just a matter of, A, getting the accelerating gear, like, a little more fine-tuned, getting those first three steps uh, to be a bit quicker, and getting into that prime knee bend uh, sooner in your stride. And uh, once he's able to do that, I think that the speed can be a little more consistent. But certainly, he's never going to skate like Connor McDavid. But uh, I'm impressed with the size, the skill, the skating as it is now, and I think it will only get better. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of people in this draft that are skating as well as Connor McDavid. Uh, well, except for Connor Bedard. <laughs> yeah, 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 or or Bedard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair. So, where do you see him? Maybe you know, best case, you know, he pans out, they hit a home run, and maybe you know, maybe the best case floor. Yeah, best case ceiling probably, uh, you know, top line, top. I would say top line winger, thirty goals power play penalty kill minutes you know hopefully he like gets to maybe six five improves the skating a bit and he's really really impactful player bottom floor i mean i don't see much of a world where this guy doesn't make the nhl um but you certainly can see see a scenario where this is like okay you know this guy ends up being um you know similar to i don't even know who who to think of uh i think Michael McCarron is not fair to, to Hanjik because he's better than that. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe, I, maybe, yeah, maybe, but with like a little more like uh, ability to like stick in an NHL. And honestly, like Yakov Trenin's probably not like a bad floor comparison. Um, they've got like not too dissimilar size and, and all that stuff. So um, yeah, I would say that's probably like four. All right, lots more to get to this week on the Locked on Predators podcast. If you haven't heard, Andrew Brennan is now the head coach. What can Predators fans expect from him? We got an inside source that might give us a little bit of insight on what Preds fans can expect from their new head coach, plus a couple of interesting topics in Milwaukee regarding the futures of two people in particular. Ann and I will discuss that coming up later this week on the Locked on Predators podcast. Until we get there, you can find my work at penaltyboxradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. You can also follow my partner in crime, Ann Kimmel, on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice or at Inside the Preds 
Com. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back with an all new episode tomorrow. We appreciate you tuning in every single day. And don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're watching us on. We will see you next time.